Greetings, magnificent souls to the Lily Yuli podcast, where we have open and honest discussions about ourselves. This is your host, Lily Buley, and I'm honored to have conversations here with thought leaders, visionaries, healers, and even solo conversations with myself about things I am currently reflecting on. This is a place where we break down, break away, and break through our emotional trauma, allowing ourselves to attract health, build wealth, and live a peaceful life. We are tired of being sick and tired. We are tired, but we are not giving up. We know that there is something magnificent inside of us. And because we are fighting daily, hourly, and by the minute, fighting ourselves, our kids, our spouses, we have to do things differently. We have to break the cycle. We don't have a million chances. We have to be happy now. We have to find a way. So how do we do that? How is that possible? If you look around at what society is telling you, they tell you that what we're doing is impossible. Yet it's happening every single day. And it's happening through the practice and the love that we call awakening the magnificent soul. We are all magnificent souls. And these are our stories of healing. Today in episode 90, I welcome Antonio Neves to the show to chat about how to stop living on autopilot and finding fulfillment in life. And don't forget to let me know your thoughts about this episode or anything you would like me to cover on future podcasts at epiphanyvault.com. Remember, it is a safe place and I would welcome the discussion. Also a request, if you are enjoying the show, please rate, share, review, so we can get the word out, y'all, to more people and more souls who want to heal. About my guest today, Antonio Neves is an award-winning journalist, world-renowned speaker, and top success coach known for asking the tough questions that help people get unstuck. Inspired by his own transformation, Antonio helps people face critical decisions so they can reboot, reset, and refuel their lives. He's been featured on the Today Show, Forbes, PBS, Inc.com, Thrive Global, and so much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Antonio Neves. All right, Antonio, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, totally. So as this happens, when I have uh, great authors on the podcast, I always crush their books, which I did with yours. And I say it every time and I'm going to say it again. So thank you for uh, Stop Living on Autopilot. Uh, it was a really insightful read for me, and I'm hoping to talk a lot about that today. Um, so I guess I'll start with why this book, what was your mission in putting this out and kind of how did you get to this point of being able to teach about autopilot? Yeah. First, thank you for reading the book and all for me, you know, (laughs) the book's been out now almost a year, maybe uh, 10 months Mm. and I'm still blown away when I meet people that have read it. And it's been a lot of people across the world that have read it. I was just seeing some people reading it in, in Croatia where it was recently published as well. So it's, Super, super humbling when you put something out there and people consume it. So that's great. Uh, for me, the, the title is really self-explanatory. I was living on autopilot. Like if you did a Google search for me five years ago, according to the internet, I was living my best life ever. I married, newborn mm-hmm. twins, lived in the house with a white picket fence, drove a sexy Honda Odyssey minivan. Yes. Um, you know, uh, sexy on the social media profiles, blue check mark verified, career allegedly going great, all those things. Um, but I always like to remind people that the internet tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. 
you know, we can do a lot of uh, fibbing, if you will, because behind the scenes, you know, my hot, my life was a hot mess. I was living on autopilot. I was struggling in my marriage. I was struggling to connect with my kids. I found myself on large stages, speaking to thousands of people, phoning it in. Uh, at a time when I really needed my dad more than anything, uh, he had been diagnosed with dementia. I could no longer speak to him. I found myself ending the days, uh, you know, drinking a little too many glasses of wine, became a secret cigarette smoker, all these things that the internet never would have told you. And I just found that in many ways, I'd stopped being bold and courageous in my pursuits in life. I was on cruise control. I was going through the motions. What's wild about that, and we can dig into this, is that, you know, like many people, I checked off all the boxes that society said you're supposed to check off to live the quote unquote American dream. But it was funny because I was like, I checked these boxes off, yet here I am unhappy and unfulfilled. And it's like one of those unique moments when you realize like, wow, I checked off these boxes, but did I even want these boxes? Mm. Somebody told me I wanted these boxes. So that was a moment in my life when I realized I had to course correct and make some new decisions if I wanted to live a, a life that, that made me proud and made me happy. Mm. I'm a box checker myself. Most of us are. I mean, listen, it's amazing. I, when, I became, when I became a speaker about 10 years ago, I started off speaking on the college circuit. So I was speaking at universities all across the country. I no longer speak at colleges too much. But I remember speaking to college students and I just, you know, you had a little small talk after a talk and say, so what are you majoring in? And they'd say something like integrated supply management or accounting. I'm like, cool. When did you get into that? And they're like, well, I'm not really mm. into it. I'm not into it. I just, you know, US News and World Report or the university said that the year that I graduate, jobs are going to be available in this field. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, now we realize why people are so unfulfilled, why they're quitting right now in droves, why the engagement is so low, because again, we're, we're just trying to fill up boxes and check them off, never asking, do we want these boxes? And, you know, I think when you reach a certain age, I'm here in my early 40s, that stuff starts to add up and you start to, observe around you like what what what, how did I get all of this stuff and I don't even want it like what is this Mm. you know so it's an interesting place where a lot of people get I think as they find themselves uh you know nowhere near the beginning of their career nowhere near the end you know still young but there those questions start to show up like what do I want oh yeah that's so true and I found myself I think I posted about this too a couple days ago but just like just everything it was disappointing you know like this this drive for whatever reason for me it was a lot about like feeling enough or feeling worthy or love or whatever um but when I did check the boxes and I'm sure that that you're connecting with a lot of listeners out there because a lot of listeners are like me and um I like I had a banging resume like I had all of these things that I was supposed to have and supposed to make me feel a certain way and it just didn't and the disappointment with that was so hard and I mean, it still is. I, I still feel like that I have a little bit of, I talk a lot about emotional trauma here too. I feel like I have like disappointment trauma. <laughs> I'm sure a you lot know? of us do. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have the banging resumes, the banging LinkedIn profiles. And I meet these men and women all the time, virtually, but also when I give talks all across the country and they'll come up to me and say, I'm not as successful as I look on LinkedIn. I'm not as happy mm. as I am on Instagram because yeah. most of the, the box checking you're talking about is external, Right. Uh, a one th- an exercise I love to do with people, and this is fun, and I, and I may do it with you right now if you're game to have some fun here on your own podcast. 
is when I meet people, I like to ask them to how I say, how would you introduce yourself to a stranger if you couldn't reference your profession, Mm -hmm. your work or your career? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. People freeze up because all of our identity is tied to saying, I work for X. I graduated from I attend this church like that. It's, it's all external, but very rarely do we focus right here. So if you don't mind, even though it's your podcast, how <laughs> would you, you're on, a, you're on a flight, you had a long flight, six hours, the TVs aren't working, they're broken. And you have to introduce yourself to what seems like a kind stranger sitting next to you, but you can't reference your career or your profession. What would you say? Real talk, I'd probably just put on my headphones and, and ignore <laughs> Well, most people I would do. go back into my hole. Thank you. Thank you for pointing sadly, that out, Antonio. <laughs> no, sadly, most people do. And actually, I was on a flight not long ago, and I was pleasantly surprised because I was about to put my headphones on, too, because I don't yeah. like to talk. I'm an introvert, even though people think Same. I'm an extrovert. Same. But thank goodness, something happened on that flight, and I didn't. And I truly had an awesome connection with somebody, built some business, and it was really mm-hmm. dope. Oh, wow. So for you though, but I'm not Sick. letting you off the hook. I'm not letting you off the hook there. How would you answer? How, how would you introduce yourself to a stranger? Tell them about you without referencing your work. <sighs> without referencing my work. I mean, it's easy for me when you say that. I don't think, honestly, I don't think my first instinct would be, you know, you asked me actually, I'm going to put it back on you and then I can come back to me. <laughs> like no, you asked me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Are we playing no this deflecting. game? No I'm not, here. I'm not, but you asked me when we came on this call, like, what would, what would you see if I Googled you? And I'm sure that, you know, I wasn't ready for a question like that. It's a wonderful question, but you'll see accomplishments really, you know? And I, my first reaction to this person I'd be sitting next to would be talking about my accomplishments. It would be, um, if I felt safe enough, I feel like I would be able to say, I'm, my heart is huge and I love big and I help other people love big too. I mean, but that's, you know, that's another level. (laughs) So it it could be another level, but I can tell you, even if I didn't know you and you shared that, like that tells me a lot about you without even knowing you. And for me, that, Mm -hmm. that, that would create a connection. And I wouldn't think you were a weirdo or anything. I I would hear that. I love big, my heart's big. And I would say me, I'll say, tell me how that shows up in your life. Mm. And odds are that would open up a door maybe to talk about your work but it's not about your work that's just a a little glimpse of who you are I I love that and I think if we yeah you said a key word though right you have to trust people to 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 share that information sharing your job title your career all that is safe and I'm not by the way recommending everyone listening to this (laughs) uh just start randomly introducing themselves to others without referencing their job or anything but those maybe those people you do have a connection with you know I invite you to share those things at Google would never tell you those things that would never mm-hmm. show up in a Google search. Odds are those are the things. I do this. I do an exercise sometimes with companies. We'll go around a table of of a team, say it's ten people, and I'll have people share share something that your LinkedIn profile, your resume, or Google would never reveal about you. And people will share things about mission trips they've taken, or or unique baking hobbies they have, or. I'll share how I build small miniature Japanese houses. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, these people work together sometimes for years. Are like, what? I had no idea. This person becomes human all of a sudden. Mm. Or let's say I build miniature Japanese model houses as well. Like, you know, so it's fascinating when we get off of the resume, when we get off of Google. Um, but like you said, trust has to be there. Mm. I love that. Thank you for oh. 
so juicy. I love it. So good. Um, so yeah, that's a good challenge maybe for people out there that are listening is yeah. Say something a little bit deeper about yourself to people that you trust with the right people y'all. Cause we talk about codependency here. So just want to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think you said this, but I just want to make it explicit. How do people know that they are on autopilot? That's a good question. Uh, there's a variety of ways to know if you're an autopilot. Uh, most people, by the way, they know uh, that they, they want to ignore it. They feel this kind of metaphorical mm. tap on the shoulder for a long time, basically mm -hmm. telling them that this mm. isn't it. To be more practical, in the book, uh, I do an exercise that talks about the last 30 days. Oh, I love that question. Yeah. That's and it's so a fun good. question because we look at it from different vantage points. And so a question I ask people as it relates to their career is based on your last 30 days of work. If your boss or manager had to make a decision to rehire you, would they immediately say yes? Or would there be some hesitation? Mm. If there's some hesitation, you may be an autopilot, coasting, going through the motions in the office. The cool thing is that we can look at that same question about relationships. If you're married, you have a significant other, partner, spouse, whatever, based on the last 30 days of that relationship, based on how you showed up, would that person immediately recommit to you? Mm. Most people when I ask that question, they're like, oh, change the subject, please. Uh, no, they wouldn't recommit to me. We can ask that question about if you happen to be a parent. We can ask that question as it relates to our personal finances. Look, open and get your bank statement. Log in right now. Look at your past 30 days. See what you're doing or not doing. We can look at it with our health, you know, our food consumption. If we have kept a food diary for the past 30 days, we can look at it from a fitness perspective, uh, from a friendship perspective. You know, I think when we audit our last 30 days, mm. it tells us a lot about where we are or are not heading in our life. And I just want to remind people if they don't like the answer to that question. And to be clear, five years ago, six years ago, when I, when I was in a place of being stuck and unfulfilled, all those things we talked about earlier, if I looked at my past 30 days, they were not answers I was happy with by no means. From a health perspective, you know, I gained 30 pounds, found mm -hmm. myself in the hospital getting cardiac MRIs. I grew this big beard to hide my weight gain. Uh, it didn't hide it. Um, I was not in a good place from a health perspective. A fitness perspective, I wasn't. Our relationship was not in a good place. Uh, Career-wise, it was okay, but not great. So mm. when you look at those last 30 days, you can identify what is and is not happening. So again, people, when you do that, if you don't like the answer, I, I don't want you to beat yourself up. Mm. I just want you to use that as data. Uh, I'm a firm believer that, there, that we are one decision away from improving our life, from mm. having a better life. And then tomorrow, the exact same thing. So look at your last 30 days. It's going to tell you a lot. Mm. Thank you for saying that, because that is one of my big beefs right now with personal development is that it makes people feel shame. And thank you for pointing that out, because actually that, that would be something that would come up for me and probably, you know, again, for the audience as well. Yeah. In the book, sorry to interrupt, in the book, I, yeah, I, I make sure I'm like, yo, if you don't like your answers, don't beat yourself up. Let's learn from it. You know, I think mm -hmm. one of the biggest challenges we have in society today, like I'm a storyteller by trade, prior to doing leadership and development work, prior to you know, writing four books. I worked in television uh, for over 12 years in New York City. I was a reporter, correspondent with a lot of television networks. Uh, one thing I'd learned how to do was connect with viewers, connect with people in person with interviews. Um, you know, I've interviewed everyone from former heads of states to secretary of states to Grammy and Oscar award winners to politicians to, you know, that mother that lost her child to gun violence. And you have to be able to connect with people immediately and build trust. And if you really do want to spark change in someone to your point, if you want positive things to happen, whether it be with your spouse, a family member, 
a friend, a colleague, someone that reports to you at the office, I can tell you the fastest way not to make that happen is by shaming them or making them feel guilty. Mm. They're immediately going to put a stiff arm up to you, even even if your points are valid, like maybe you have a, a true valid argument, a true valid point. If you truly want them to change their behavior to adjust, if you shame or you guilt, you just, odds are you're going to lose them. They'll nod their head, they'll say, okay, but best yeah. believe they're not coming around your way too often anymore. And they're not going to yeah. hear what you said. Same with self, you know, same with self. I do a lot of like self work and self talk and thoughts and stuff like that. And yeah, same with self for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're really good at judging self. I mean, listen, I've been mm. there, done that, uh, been done that a lot. And I think something we are right now as a society, you know, it's been a challenging few years for people. And I think one thing we are that we're, I, I think I'm, I made this term up. I'm going to take credit for it. I think we're all emotionally constipated. Mm. And what I mean is we have a backlog of emotion. That's like so there true. is a lot of sadness that we have not got out. Like, I think there's just so many, there's some tears that so many of us just need to shed and let out from what did and, and did not happen for us as of late. And this is a normal times too. I think there's a lot of anger that a lot of us are holding in right now that we have not got out. We haven't been able to go to the woods and, and just yell and punch something, you know, a punching bag. I think there's a lot of joy that's, that's, that's backlogged inside mm-hmm. us because maybe a lot of people during these challenging times have actually experienced some wins. Some things have gone good that they've branched off on new directions. They have podcasts that didn't exist two mm. years ago or 18 months ago, et cetera. But we feel bad sharing that joy, that victory, because someone else has gone through a challenging time. So I'm a firm believer that we have a mm. backlog of emotions that we have to find a, a way to let out or things kind of like not constantly shaking like a Coke can. At some point, it's going to explode on yeah. you, uh, when you least expect it. It does. And it will. Absolutely. I'm hundred percent on that level too. So going back to the, um, the places that with the, th- the last 30 days, which is an amazing practice, super eye-opening. If they're at the point where they are kind of noticing, like maybe, um, their partner wouldn't recommit to them or they're, um, they're not following whatever plan they're trying to, to follow, what, what would you suggest would be a next step? And it's not blame. So what would you say it would be? Yeah, first is acknowledge it, right? Acknowledge mm-hmm. it and just, just acknowledge and get curious about it. Uh, then a question I think we can ask ourselves, this is a positive one, is what have you stopped doing mm-hmm. that got you to where you are today? Mm-hmm. What have you stopped doing? So from a dating perspective, I love Chris Rock, the comedian, and I love that joke. He always says, when you go out on a first date with somebody, it's not really you, it's your representative, mm. right? Because that, that mm. first date, you know, we get all dressed up, we're so kind, we're in, we pay attention. We're our at our down. best self. We're at our best, our phone's down on the table. Yes. You know, we're, we're, we're paying full attention. So even as you're thinking about your relationship right now, if you happen to be in one, think about some of the early in the relationship during the courting process, maybe before the marriage, maybe before the kids, maybe before you got moved in, maybe before you got engaged, whatever. What are some of those things you used to do in that relationship to show that you cared. Maybe it could be just giving your full undivided attention to that person over a meal like you used to. Maybe it was the walk that you used to do with that person. Maybe you used to find post-it notes and write a little love notes or something and put them somewhere. 
Maybe it was that text you would send every now and then saying, hey, thinking about you, whatever. Um, maybe it was making a little bit more of an effort to get ready uh, before you went out. Maybe it was actually having a plan. What do you want to do tonight? Whatever you want to do. Like, remember having a plan? I have us at reservations <laughs> yes. at so-and-so yes. place. When it relates to like our careers, what have you stopped doing that got you to where you are? I like to invite people to think back if they happen to be employed right now. Think back to when you were interviewing for the job that you're in right now, that job that you wanted so bad. Think back to when you found out you were a finalist. Think back to the day you found out you got the job. Now think back to how you showed up on day one of that job. Remember meeting all your brand new employees like, oh, this is so-and-so, they're on our team now. Remember how you showed up week one, month one, building relationships, taking action on your ideas, showing up early, maybe staying late, um, contributing. How much of that person still exists? So mm. I love that question. What have you stopped doing that got you to where you are? This makes me think about an anecdote, a story I tell in the book. Um, two business owners were being interviewed. They founded a company in New York City uh, in the 1990s. In New York in the 1990s was a lot different than it is today. But at one point, one of the guys was reminiscing about New York City in the 1990s. And he said, oh, man, I really miss the old New York. But his business partner corrected him. He said, you don't miss the old New York. You miss the old you. Mm. Who you were during that time. Many of us mm. miss certain portions of the old us. That optimism we showed up with. That joy we showed up with. That playfulness we showed up with. That mm. hunger we showed up with. That has now been replaced with, it's another Monday. That has been replaced with moping. That has been replaced with complaining. That has been replaced with a bad attitude, so many different things. Uh, so many of us miss the old versions of ourselves, and maybe not all of it, but there are certain things I think from our past that we can activate uh, to bring some joy to ourselves. Mm, okay, so the stop, thank you for sharing that. The stop, you know, you're being aware of the things that you're stopping. So do you start, you're saying basically to start doing these things that maybe you let go of or- 100%, yeah. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell people to do everything. Maybe everything you yeah. did in the beginning of the relationship isn't feasible today. Maybe everything you did um, in the beginning of the job isn't feasible. Maybe you can't save the kind of money you used to save because you have some more responsibilities now, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But there are, I invite you to identify some of the key things you did and see what mm -hmm. difference it makes if you reintroduce them, right? Like from physical fitness perspective, like, you know, one thing that fell off for me when I found myself getting really bad out of shape was I used to work out in the mornings. I'd get up early and I'd work out. And then all of a sudden I became that person that would work out at the end of the day. I'd do that at the end of the day. Let me tell you something about me. If it, if the, work, <laughs> the workout at the end of the day is not happening. Mm -mm, same. It's just, it's just not going to happen. If I don't get it in early, odds are it's not going to happen. That's one of the things I stopped doing. So I had to reintroduce that. I don't like getting up early, but it doesn't matter if I like getting up early. I got to get it in, you know? So um, th those are just some, some examples. Got you. Okay. So that's perfect. Um, so I want to kind of highlight some of these really great stories that you put out in your book, which is, um, I think one of my favorite things about it was because it's so relatable, um, you know, telling, telling about all the, the stuff that you've been through and kind of arriving to where you are now. Tell me or tell us about the, um, the alley story in LA. And was this your rock bottom, would you say, or one of them? Yeah, you know, I feel fortunate that I, I don't think I had a true 
rock bottom. You know, mm. I've worked with people and I know people who've had some real mm. deal rock bottoms. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to tell that story. And when, since you bring up rock bottom, is I just want to remind people, as I'm reminding myself, every, everything I share, if anyone ever sees anything I share, like if you see a, face, a Facebook or Instagram post from me or a tweet or you receive my daily text messages that I send out, you know, it, it's for me, first and foremost, first, like I'm reminding myself mm, of these key that. things. Yes. So back to rock bottom, you know, I like to remind people, remind myself not to wait for a life altering event. That to live the life you're supposed to live, right? We always wait until we get, people wait till they get that bad health diagnosis or they get fired from their job or they get served divorce papers or they get a DUI. Then all of a sudden they've hit rock bottom and then they decide to change. But you know, we can definitely do things before then. You don't have to be the cliche. And I'm a firm believer that we, yes, we, we are the life altering event that we've been waiting for. I think mm. we forget that. Right. I love that. Uh, that that example you provide is I was a secret cigarette smoker when I was going through a challenging time. That was like my outlet. That was a way that I sedated. Frankly, it probably was a way that I would breathe, you know, because I was holding so much in. And when I would smoke, I'd wear this bright green gardening glove because my wife didn't know that I smoked. And I didn't mm -hmm. want her to know that I smoked. So I wore this glove to hide the smell. I had a whole routine. I wore different clothes, all this different stuff. Like it was crazy. But one day I was smoking, in the alley, smoking a cigarette in an alley in Los Angeles. And what I perceived to be a homeless man came up to me and he asked to bum a couple of cigarettes. And I was like, cool, gave him a couple of cigarettes. We start talking like smokers do. And at some point he notices the bright green gardening glove. And he's like, hey, what's up with that glove? I was like, oh, my wife doesn't know that I smoke. I wear this so she can't smell it. And I swear this guy looked at me like I committed a crime. Like he felt sorry for me. It was like we had reversed roles. This guy was me, he was speaking on stages all across the world. Now all of a sudden trading places with this guy who, from my perspective, seemed like he had seen better days. Mm. And he said some things, that, something that I'll never forget. He just looked me dead in the eye and said, hey man, you got to figure that shit out. Mm. And he said it like, in the, it, was, it was aggressive, but it came with love in the same way. Like, hey man, you got to figure that out. Probably something that he needed to say to himself too. Probably so, 100%. And for me, that was one of those moments when I just realized that, you know, angels can show up in the most unique places, you know, especially when you least expect them, right? It could be that that uh, that car service driver. It could be that bar barista mm. at a coffee restaurant. They could be someone in, I mean, they could be anywhere. And for me, that was a moment when I was like, you're right, man, I need to figure this out. And that really got me on the path of, of course correcting things and, and making some new decisions, uh, but most importantly, really making some new commitments. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting too, how we kind of go into this, you know, if we are in this place, I guess, in your terms of being on autopilot or being stuck, it's like, we go into this place of really just trying to like, trying to cope, trying to do what we can do without even like knowing that you're going farther into a hole. And then somebody comes along that sees a blind spot that you don't see. And it's just, I don't know. It's just pretty dope how that works sometimes. Yeah. And the truth is sometimes we won't be able to if somebody who loved us, who was really close to us. And they said the same thing, we probably wouldn't ever be able to hear, but there's something mm. really special sometimes about strangers. That's why I'm a firm believer. You know, I'm a coach. I work That's with I coaching clients yeah, all across the country. Um, you know, and I'm, again, I have a, a sweet spot of helping people get unstuck, 
asking mm -hmm. tough decisions to help, excuse me, asking tough questions to help them make decisions in their life. I'm, I'm a firm believer that most people are stuck right now because there is a decision, again, autopilot as well, because there is a decision that they have been unwilling to make in their life. Mm. And we have to remind ourselves that not making a decision is making a decision. Yes. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, we can journal all we want. We can manifest all we want. We can vision board all we want. And, and all that's for naught if you're not making decisions. I'm a firm believer that your next decisions in your life won't be revealed until you make a decision about your current situation. Your next, you, those steps will not be revealed until you make a decision that you know you need to make about that relationship, about that city you live in, about that job, about how you're spending your money, about your health. And that decision at the end of the day, yeah, may involve external parties, but first and foremost, it's between you and you. And let me tell you something, something profound happens when we're willing to make a decision. It's not always easy. Then you make another decision tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And before you know it, you start building up this momentum and where people can be in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year from now with consistent decision-making yes. is a whole other place. And I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about quitting your job tomorrow. I'm not talking about five, you know, getting divorced I'm not talking about moving to a brand new city I'm not talking about those crazy decisions I those are maybe that's what you need to do eventually the odds are there's a first decision you need to make first mm. Mm. yeah like make your bed or like do make your bed or like yeah, like yeah go you know go work out do you need to go to the gym for an hour no maybe start with 10 minutes yeah okay that relationship hasn't been good for a while you think you need to you think you need to file a divorce maybe you need to actually find a therapist first mm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We always go to the extreme. We, we, we were so quick to go to, I got to quit my job. Do you, or do you need to maybe have a conversation with your manager, your boss, maybe find a different department. Is there a new skill set you need to learn? I need to get divorced. Do you, I'm not saying you don't, or do you need to go do some group counseling? I need to, uh, I mean, I can give you so many different examples. Right. We want to go to that extreme decision, but doesn't, that's not necessarily always the case. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That's so true. Um, I cannot let us close this conversation without talking about relationships. Um, uh, cause that's you know, one of the main reasons why I'm here on this podcast and I'm sure the listeners are out there too. So, um, you talk about allies and thieves. What is this about? Yeah. I'm a firm believer that none of us should go about this life alone. No one who has accomplished <laughs> anything of significance did it alone, but even prior to the pandemic, there was an epidemic of loneliness. Mm. Now, one thing we're good at, especially as we get older, is isolation. Uh, like we isolate ourselves from friends, family, et cetera. I did that when I was living on autopilot. I didn't want to connect with anyone. I isolated. I stopped returning emails. I stopped returning texts. I did the fake, been crazy busy, you know, all, all that kind of crap. Uh, <laughs> but let me tell you something. If you want to do some cool things in your life, if you want to make progress, surround yourself with good people. I think those can be what I call allies of glory or thieves of ambition. Ugh. And allies of glory are those men, those women, those people that encourage you, that inspire you, that challenge you, that push you, that hold you accountable to be the absolute best version of yourself. You know, these are those people that, you know, when, when you spend time with them, you walk away with more energy, right? These are those people 
that don't have drama going on in their lives. They have good things going on in their lives. Uh, the challenge with spending time with allies is that they're going to hold you accountable. They're going to push you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to expect the best of you, but they make you better. Unfortunately, what a lot of people do is spend time with what I call thieves of ambition. Mm. Thieves are those people that don't encourage you, that don't inspire you, that don't challenge you, that, 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 that don't push you, that don't hold you accountable and test you to be the absolute best version of yourself. Thieves are those people that, I mean, when you spend time with them, you come back worn out. I mean, I don't know for listeners right now, do you have any people in your life that just wear you out mm. after you spend time with them? The answer is yes. It's, yeah, these are those people that always, I mean, always have some type of drama going on in their lives. You call them, you're like, yo, what's up? First thing they say is, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. And you're like, why are things always happening to you and no one else? It's just you, right? Thieves are those people that allow the status quo. They allow you to, to, to be in the status quo to exist the same way you did yesterday. If you tell, you tell thieves that there's something you want to accomplish and you don't do it, they don't care. They don't hold you accountable. Thieves are those people you can go to brunch after brunch after brunch with, and you can talk about all the things that you want to do, mm-hmm. but they're never going to follow up with you to see if you actually started them or did them or see if they can help you actually do those yep. things. So I just want to invite people listening right now, listening, watching, however they're consuming this, to think about the five people they spend the most time with and ask himself this question. And that is, do the five people you spend the most time with, like visualize these folks, do they make you better? Do they make you better or they keep you standing still where you are accepting the status quo? And, you know, I found that once I started spending more time with that, and by the way, I'm not, when I say thieves, I'm not talking about people committing crimes, doing heinous things. These could be people with jobs, members of society, but, <laughs> Just not the they're, people who are going to yeah. get you where you want to go. They're thieving your energy. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, and by the way, yeah, we can be thieves as well. I, I want to just Truth. give you an example of what a thief can be because I'm making it sound like these people are committing crimes. They're not. Years ago, I was working on a project and I went to go meet friends for a, a drink before I went home to work on this project. I was living in New York City and I was hanging out and then I had my drink and I was like, all right, y'all, I'm, I'm going to get out of here, go home. I have something I want to finish. And of course, you know what you hear at the bar. Oh, come on, have come one on. more. Don't leave yet. <laughs> and I was about to stay. But then I have a dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends to this day. He said, Tony, you owe those people nothing. Are, are they going to finish your project for you? Mm. No, they don't care if you finished or not. Get out of here. That's what you call an ally. Those other people were thieves. Again, not malicious. But they didn't care if I finished my project or not. Um, the crazy thing is this, and as we grow, as we move forward, as we start to accomplish those things that we say are most important in our life, um, I've found that it, sometimes it can create friction with people in our lives, you know, mm-hmm. as we're making progress, all of a sudden we're doing what we said we wanted to do, all those things. And you start hearing those snide comments. Oh, you think you're special now? Oh, too busy for us. Oh, you too got getting you know, big for your britches. We hear all that. Slow down. You're making the rest of us look bad. All that kind of stuff. So I found in my life that it can threaten people when you grow. Yes. It scares people when you grow. And the reason why that happens is because most times, in my experience, your growth 
the progress you are making, the old skin that you are shedding to become this new being, what it does is it holds up a mirror to those other people and it, and it shows them all the things that they are not doing in their own life. Yes. Okay, it holds up a mirror to what your growth holds up to mirror to what they are not doing, what they are not willing to do. So what do they do in subtle ways? Sometimes they try to tear us down, mm. right? And that's why we have to sometimes create boundaries from people, right? Sometimes people are going to, you know, anytime I hear someone say, you know, I just want what's best for you. I'm like, hold up. Do you want what's best for me or what's for best you. for you, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because yes. typically it's what's best for you. You've changed. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Thank you. That's, that's what we say. Yeah, I did. Thank you for yeah. acknowledging it. Yeah. Right. And so this doesn't mean we need to go up to these people and say, you're a thief. You're horrible. Can we have a conversation with people? Like, hey, I've noticed since I've started this new endeavor and or started going to this weekly meetup for entrepreneurs or business coaches, or I've joined this group coaching program or mastermind. I noticed you've given quite a few backhanded comments to me about it. Uh, this work I'm doing, you know, good things are happening for me. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of positive things happening in my life. And my request, my request is that you don't say those things. I actually find them hurtful. Mm. Would you be willing not to do that? So when we have that, both of us though will never have that adult conversation. Like, yo, my request, I don't know if you noticed, my request is that you stop doing that. And here's why. Now, most people, you maybe, maybe like you'll have that good friend that says, oh, I'm sorry. You know what? When you, when you started doing that, I felt left behind or yeah, I'll stop. Is there room for another person in that mastermind? Sadly though, most people are going to be like, whatever, you think you're special? No, I don't get over yourself. You're acting like, you know, they'll, they'll give you a hard time. And that's, when you don't try to fight, defend your thesis, you just say, okay. Yep. You got to create those boundaries. Yep. And we're just recording this off of coming off of Thanksgiving week. And I just cannot stop thinking about my family when you're talking about this at all. You know, it's like, um, yeah, everything, you know, one of my big goals with my life is to be a transitional character and not carry on all of the, you know, all the stuff that I've been taught and, um, yeah, all of that, what you just said, just hits me deeply. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's tough when, fam especially family, people have known us their whole life, though they can't articulate it, especially if they haven't done some type of, of work, therapy, mm -hmm. counseling, coaching, you name it. In my experience, that's all I can speak for. And many of my clients as well over the years, for them, most people feel like they're being left behind. Mm -hmm. as right. they see you spread your wings yeah as they see you smile like you've never mm -hmm. smiled before as they see us in healthy relationships as they see us making more money maybe than we've ever made or they're like they, they're starting they feel left behind and they do what mm -hmm. they can to keep us there and it's yeah. really hard because a lot of people they, they feel that energy and they decide to go back to what was as opposed to creating what can it be as you just beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, there's a lot of research out there about that, about tribe mentality. And when someone steps away from the tribe, it feels threatening to the, the core of the tribe, but we won't get into that because, um, I want to kind of close this up and open it up to you. Um, if there's anything that you feel like that was important that we didn't cover also, uh, where can people find you and what are you working on right now? Yeah. Well, first I enjoyed the conversation and, you know, I just want to remind people, 
as I remind myself that you have a say in this. At some point we forgot mm-hmm. that we have a say in this thing called our life. So that's to remind people of that. And if right now you listen to this and you said, hey, Antonio, I hear you. I've been living on autopilot, but I don't know what my next move is. What do I do? I don't know what to do next. I'm gonna ask you to separate yourself from the situation and, and just play with this question. And that question is, if your life was a movie, what would the lead character start doing to turn things around? Mm. Your career, what would they do? Your health, what would they do? Your fitness, what would they do? Your relationship, what would they do to start turning things around? I said, start. I didn't say the whole story. Just like, what's that one thing they would do today? Odds are most people listening, watching this know that first step that they can take on all those key areas of their life. So that's my invitation to everyone. Mm. To learn more about me, uh, just head over to theantonionevs.com. Everywhere on social media, it's uh, The Antonio Neves. And on my website, you can sign up to receive uh, the Stop Living on Autopilot Manifesto. I'll make sure I'll give you the link to share with people as well. Uh, 15 powerful, life-changing lessons that people get and they tape it up on their wall. It's pretty cool. I'm biased, but I think it's pretty cool. I <laughs> love it. Oh, it's so good. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been such a wonderful conversation. I, I, I love your work, so I really appreciate you. I'm honored that you had me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.